You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Wonderful singing tonight on a great song. Thank you so much for singing that way. Would you take your Bibles tonight, 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter number 4. I'm starting a new series here on Sunday evening, and I'm entitling it Strengthening the Church, Strengthening the Church, and um, I want to talk about for a few weeks ways to help our church get stronger. <laughs> you can get, a, uh, get that from the theme there, and we've got a picture we're going to show on the screen here, our theme image. I worked on that image, okay, so it's got to get up there at least for 10 seconds, all right? But uh, I want to talk about that for several weeks, and uh, keep in mind, this coming Wednesday, our new series on Wednesday night is the book of Ecclesiastes, and that's going to be a big help to you, and uh, so I hope that you'll be here for that, and if you can't be here for that, I hope that you'll watch online and catch the series on Ecclesiastes. It's such an important book for us today, Um, even though it was written so long ago, it'll be a blessing. And then uh, on Sunday morning, this coming, this next Sunday morning, we'll be looking at the parables of Christ and trying to keep uh, Jesus in front of us all year long, uh, living a Christ-centered life. And so we want to look at some of his teachings. We're going to look at uh, the the parables that he taught us uh, throughout Scripture, the stories there, and uh, we'll explain what those are and get into that next Sunday morning. But in the evening services, for uh, several weeks, we're going to look at strengthening the church. And the first area that I want to strengthen as we're looking at this, is I want to talk about different ways that our church needs to be strengthened and ways to do that. And one of the ways to do that is the area of building relationships. Building relationships. And so we're going to talk about that tonight. And uh, it'll be a very practical message this evening. It'll be more of teaching uh, than it will be uh, on preaching. Uh, just uh, giving you just thoughts of how we can build relationships, ways to do that. And uh, 1 Peter chapter number 4 will give us some uh, help there as we're going to get the, we'll have the, don't worry, we will have the screens for you tonight. I know some of you are like, Pastor, I cannot pay attention unless I have a graphic on the screen with words on it. Okay, so we'll get that for you here uh, by the time the service ends. Okay, 1 Peter chapter 4, and let's look down here at verse number 8. Peter says, and above all things, have fervent charity. The word charity, of course, we know is love. Among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. And then it says, use hospitality one to another without grudging or without grumbling and complaining. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So we're going to talk about building relationships on on the theme there of strengthening the church. Let's pray together. We're going to dive right in tonight. We're going to hit the gas pedal and just go. Okay, Father, bless us please this evening. Help us to get (coughs) a, a vision in our own hearts and lives of what you would have us to do individually in this area of building relationships within the local church. We are a family. Families are supposed to have good relationships with one another. And so, God, help us. Give us some instruction tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, we could and we will talk about having a personal relationship with God, with Jesus Christ. 
But tonight we're going to look at our interpersonal relationship within the church. We, we are going to cover without the church, what to, you know, how to get people in the church and all that. But tonight we're focusing on within the church, how can we build better relationships? What we see here in this passage is Peter giving some brief instruction on how to deal with people in the church. So let's look at it again. Verse number eight. What's he say? He says, and above all things, well, you know, when you're dealing with people, what, what do you need to have? Have fervent charity, have passionate, uh, 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 you, you know, wholehearted love. That's what we need to have among yourselves, among us believers. For charity, for love, shall cover the multitude of sins. It's love that helps us, the Bible says, pass over a transgression. And a lot of times people get so bent out of shape in churches when if they loved more, if they cared more, a lot of the times that love passes over those transgressions. You know how it is when marriage isn't right and uh, anything the spouse says you're ready to pick at. When marriage is going great, they could say anything and you're just going to pass over that because it's okay because there's a deep abiding love there. I'm not saying that's how it's supposed to be as far as, you know, just never addressing things. But I'm saying love helps us to pass over some things. And when it comes to dealing with one another, the key component is love. The Bible uh, breaks it down. Jesus broke it down. Of course, we know this in the New Testament to summarize all the law into two laws. Love God with all your heart. Love others. Love others like you love yourself. Now, if you think about that, we love ourselves. We love ourselves. And, uh, and Jesus said to love others like you love you. And so uh, we see here, love one another is a big deal. Deal with people in love. In churches sometimes, when we get into ministry positions, maybe it's bus route, even ushering, Sunday school classes, whatever, sometimes when we're dealing with problem people, we can be tempted to deal with wrath. We can be tempted to deal in anger, but the Bible always says to deal in love. Deal with people in love. Verse 9, look what it says. Use hospitality one to another. I'm going to tell you three times in this message what hospitality means. Here's number one, and it means the same thing every time. But according to, if you look up what hospitality means, it means be hospitable. So I went to Webster's Dictionary. What's hospitable? And uh, just to give us a better definition, it means the act or practice of receiving and entertaining strangers or guests without reward or with kind and generous liberality. So you're receiving people into your house, into the church with kindness, not looking to get anything back other than building a relationship and helping someone and you're being kind and generous and being liberal with it as far as, as, as giving in that sense. That's hospitable. Look at verse 10. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. As God's given us gifts, the Bible says we are to serve others. Serve others. So we're dealing with people in the church. What does Peter say? Well, he says to deal with people in love. He says to be hospitable to one another. And he says to serve others. Take your Bible to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter number 12. Everybody with me tonight? Amen. All right, good. Thank you. Romans chapter 12. Let's see what Paul says. We saw what Peter said. What does Paul say? Paul says a lot. You read the New Testament, he's got a lot to say. But uh, what does he say about dealing with people within the church? And again, we're going to look at how to, how to deal with people without the church. We're going to look at our relationship with God. But how do we build relationships within the church? Now, there's an interesting dynamic. 
Because we've got some people in here that you've been in our church for a long time, and there are other people that have been in our church for a long time, and you don't know each other's names. And so now you're like, oh boy, what do I do? I know I should know their name, but I don't know their name. I've been coming for three years, and uh, they've been coming for ten years, and I should know them, and they should know me. But, and so, but, but it could also be someone brand new coming to church, and they've been coming for a month or two. And so there's all these different dynamics in church. And what I want to say is we got to get over that. we got to get over some of that fear of talking to someone and, and, and risk, you know, maybe being like, hey, you know, I've been here for 30 years. Are you, is this your first time? No, oh, I've been here for 30 years. You know, it's okay. We're, so we're going to talk about that a little bit, give you some practical thoughts. Romans chapter 12, look at verse 9. Now you remember, Romans is divided when it comes to Paul speaking about salvation for so many verses. He talks about the first three chapters of, of why everybody's lost and we all need Jesus. Jesus is the only hope for salvation. Talks about faith in chapter 4 and chapter 5. Uh, chapter 8, uh, you see the turn from, uh, uh, from lost to saved. And uh, then talks about, or chapter 7, starts talking about salvation after that. Chapters 9 through 11, he's dealing with Israel. And then chapter 12, he starts giving practical stuff for the church. So now we're in chapter 12, verse 9. Let love be without dissimulation. That means hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another, not slothful in business, but fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality. And we'll stop there. So let's look at these verses and, and, and see what does Paul say and, and what is the instruction Paul gives for dealing with people within the local church. Verse 9, he says, let love be without dissimulation. Don't be hypocritical in your love. What's he saying? He's saying be real and be genuine. It doesn't help anybody for you to be fake. Well, I'm going to pretend to be a super Christian when I come. How does that help anybody besides your ego? And what Paul is saying is, look, you, you can't be that way. You know, I just love this church so much. God bless you. And you get outside the walls. This church is terrible. They never do. Come on. That's, that's, that's false. That's fake. That's phony. And Paul says, don't do that. Then he says there in verse 10, I love this phrase. I don't think I've ever really studied what the phrase means to my memory. I'm sure I did when we did the book of Romans. But he says, be kindly affectioned one to another. Kindly affectioned. You know what that really just means? It means to love like family. That's what it means. To love like family. And then, of course, he gives the word Philadelphia, brotherly love, with brotherly love. And it's almost the same word. He's saying love like family, love like brothers and sisters. That's what he says within the church context. Verse 10, the second part there says, in honor, preferring one another. So what's he saying there? He's saying in church, you ought to put the other person first. You know, we, we, we can picture it by walking through a door, doorway, you know, opening up me first and trying to go in, you know, and, and, but it's honoring one another. But how does that look? How does that look in church when you're giving someone else preference, when you're giving someone else first place? It means you take a back seat and you prefer someone else. Hey, you're both going to the same seat. No, please sit. No, 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 no. I'll, I'll sit closer. I need the preaching more, you know, whatever it may be. But, uh, uh, you know, why don't we have some of these just, I'd like to see people in this front row right here, just like filling it in the front, you know. But anyway, but uh, it means I'm giving preference. I'm giving, uh, 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 I, I'm honoring someone by preferring them above myself. My eyes are on me. Now, that's especially important when it comes to visitors. Visitors should come to church 
and we should be giving them preference. That's what it ought to be. Now look at verse number 13. The next couple of verses kind of talk about just personal things to deal with. Don't be slothful in your personal life. Be fervent in your spirit. Serve God. But verse 13 says, distributing to the necessity of saints. He's talking about giving towards needs. When there's a need that arises, God's people in the church are supposed to give. That's what it says. Give to the necessity of the saints there. And, uh, and then it says, uh, and by the way, that could be volunteering to be a blessing. We've got the, uh, the, um, the ministry in our church, the team of the care team that helps people when they, get, when they get sick or when they're going through stuff to just, you know, take a, take a bag of cookies, a bag of cookies, a, a plate of cookies by. Don't put your cookies in a bag. That sounds weird. But, uh, you know, you can, you can take a plate of cookies by. You could call on the phone. There's different ways to be there for someone and to meet needs because there's different types of needs. And Paul is saying, hey, be ready to give to meet someone's need. Be ready to do that. It could be giving time. It could be giving you know, treasure, your money. It could be giving something else, but be ready to give the need. Then it says given to hospitality. Given to hospitality. Here's the second time I give you the definition. The act or practice of receiving and entertaining strangers or guests without reward or with kind and generous liberality. I'm, I'm liberally, graciously, without expecting anything back, going to give and help someone else, going to invite them into my life, into my home. All of these instructions are helping us within the church, within the church. And uh, so that's what we're looking at tonight. Now, I want to say this before I give you just a couple practical thoughts this evening. Every church has a back door. You're like, Pastor, that's obvious. It's right over there. No. What I mean by that is every church has a back door in the sense of this. Every week people come, and almost every week we have visitors at our church. But have you noticed, and praise the Lord, exactly. But have you noticed that a lot of times they don't stay? So they come in the front and leave. And what we want to do is close the back door. We want to lock them in. No, I'm kidding, but uh, that sounds a little creepy. Now, this is you know, a metaphor, okay? But there are churches that have visitors every week that just leave and never come back. Now, why is that? Now, there could be a variety of reasons, right? It could be, you know, that, that they're used to a, a, a more, uh, more you know, drum-based worship team-style church, which we're not going to be. Uh, they could be more used to that. It could be that, hey, they just don't like the pastor. He's annoying and he thinks he's funny and tries to joke around too much or whatever. You know, I don't know. Uh, they, they, maybe they don't like how, how I preach. Maybe they don't like the look of, of you. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but, but there's many different reasons why someone may come and just say, hey, this is not our flavor. This is not, this is not the type of church we are. I, I tell you this, if someone loves the Bible, they're not going to come to our church and, and hate our church because of that. Because we're trying to preach the word of God faithfully here. But there's other reasons, and, and, and there are good reasons, and, and sometimes, hey, it's just not a fit for people. But it should not be because people can't get connected with somebody in church. That should never be the reason why someone leaves. It should not be, hey, I came to that. And I've heard this so many times, not about our church, but about other churches. When I've talked to people, and they've said, you know, and, I, and, and they've said, I've gone to the, I went to this church, and not one person greeted me. Not one person said a word to me. In fact, they kind of stared at us like we were weird. Why are they going to stay then? I have been to churches. My wife and I went on vacation, and we went to a big church, a big church in the, in the, in the south. 
And uh, it had like, you know, the balcony. And it was one of those churches where like they all grew up on the farm, you know. And so like 18 generations of people are currently in the church, you know. They had, fam- they had a family stand up and it was a great-grandfather, grandfather, uh, son and grandson and like and their dog and their cat too, you know. And a couple cows with them. I mean, they had like a, they had all of that. You, you know, in, in our church. California, you know, we get, we get one person here, one person there. It's just a different uh, 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 place that we live in, and, uh, and that's fine. But, but as we went there, I remember my wife and I walked in, and maybe because it was so big, they didn't realize we were new. I had on a shirt and tie. I was expecting them to ask me to preach. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, I walked in, and, and my wife and I, we sat, we sat over close to the front on the side, and we had people just kind of staring at us, Every time I looked around, I had people just kind of staring at us. And I don't know if it was like, you know, do we know you? <laughs> you know, I don't know if it was that type of thing. Nobody said a word to us. Nobody said a word to us. Probably 800 people in the church. 900 people. And I'm like, I look like a prime member for this church. It was Oklahoma. Everybody was white. I dress like them. I can throw a country accent around no problem because I grew up uh, uh, just a couple hours south of there. And I was like, I'm like the prime candidate to be in this church. And no one said a word. Thank God for a guy named Jerry. This older guy caught me and my wife in the lobby. And this story, and by the way, this was like four years ago. He still texts me. This older guy named Jerry came up and says, hey, and he wasn't on staff. At one time, I think he was, but he wasn't on staff. He was a layman in the church, and he was going around taking pictures. And at first, you know, a creepy old guy taking pictures, you're like, what are you doing? You know, why are you taking, no, he wasn't creepy. But he started, he was, hey, can I get a picture of you? And and, we're we're visiting. Oh, where are you guys visiting from? And he began to just, and here's what he did. He said, have you met the pastor? And I said, no, I haven't. And by the way, the pastor speaks out a lot of places, kind of a, a more, I don't know, a famous guy, I guess I'd say. And, uh, and I said, no, we haven't met, I hadn't had a chance to. And he said, come on, come with me. And he grabs us and he walks us over and he stands us there and he gets the pastor's attention. And I had the feeling like the pastor probably had to, oh, here's Jerry again, you know. But uh, he, uh, he put, and he got the pastor's attention and he walked over and said, I want to introduce you, Faith and Eli, uh, Eli and Faith, they're from Long Beach, California. And, uh, and he said, now, and Eli just told me he's a pastor out there. And he just got our names, he remembered, so we got to meet the pastor. The pastor spoke for us for like 10, 15 seconds. It wasn't a long meeting, but at least we got to meet him and talk with him and his wife for a second there. And then Jerry just stuck with us, followed me into the bathroom. It was weird. No, he didn't. I'm just kidding. But uh, he stuck with me, and, uh, and he said, hey, he said, what are, you, what are you guys doing right now? And I said, we're on vacation. You know, we're about to go eat as much food as humanly possible. What do you think we're going to do? And he said, I want you to come out to, uh, to our house. L- l- let me take you out to lunch, is what he said. Let us take you out to lunch. He's like, you like Mexican food? I was like, Pfft. you don't know me, obviously, because I, yes, I absolutely love Mexican food. And I will just tell you this, Oklahoma Mexican food has nothing on California Mexican food. I will tell you that right now. That was the whitest Mexican food I've ever eaten in my life. But anyway, I think Taco Bell's more authentic. But I was going, we were having a... We were having a great time, though, you know, and they took us to the restaurant, and, and you know what, they, they bought for us, they paid for us, they, they talked to us, they were an older couple, and they said, hey, what are you guys doing after this? Trying to get away from you, Jerry, that's what we're trying to do, and he said, I want you to come out and see our house, we're, we're building this whole new barn, I want you just to see it, you know, we're going to move in there, so they took us out our whole afternoon, 
And I tell you, though, Faith and I loved every minute of it. We loved it. Say, so why? Because Jerry made us feel special. He made us feel welcome. I would go back to that church anytime I'm in that state because of Jerry. Because the pastor, no, he didn't even preach that day. And I barely got to meet him. Because the pastor's wife, I don't even know if she came over and said hi. And I'm, not, not, I'm not criticizing them. There's times where I don't get to meet people. I'm not criticizing them at all. Because the staff was kind to us, we didn't meet any staff members. No staff member saw me as a visitor, saw my wife as a visitor, and you'd think they would know better. And, and, and again, I'm not criticizing them, but I'm saying, you know, somebody dropped the ball in that department. Didn't get a visitor bag on the way out. Jerry had to go track stuff down for us. And, and again, this is a great church, and it was probably just a, a one-time fluke, right? But what I'm saying is, I would go back to that church because Jerry built a relationship. And probably every two months after that, I've gotten a text message from Jerry. But hey, here's a picture of when you guys came out. I'm like, how does this dude remember us? You know, he's got his own stuff going on. But, he's been, but he had been so kind. You know what? I, I hope that, that some of you will get in your mind to be a Jerry. To say, you know what? You know, it, it does, it's not just the pastor's job to, to build connections within our church. It's not the, just the deacon's job and the usher's job and the Sunday school teacher's job. No, it's, it's our job. It's your job. It's my job to try to help people find a place to click. Well, pastor, I'm an introvert. Hey, get with the time, so am I. We're, uh, uh, most people are introverts in some way, you know, and, and what I'm saying is we, we've got to figure out a way to do this. Relationships, in my opinion, are the number one reason why people stay in a church. I wish nowadays it was like good, solid preaching, but honestly, it's not for most people. For most people, it's a friend got me into church. That is the number one reason why people come to church. It's not door knocking, it's friends brought me to church. And that's how they stick, because they got a friend in church. Every person that comes through our door needs to find a friend in our church. So let me give you just quickly here tonight some things to do with building relationships. Number one, I'm gonna give you four words. First word is introduce. Introduce. Talk to those around you. Don't be an island unto yourself. I've come to church. Don't speak to me, and I shall leave, and I will leave the same way I came in. I get it. That Sometimes, by the way, sometimes I come to church like that. I come to church, and I'm like, man, I hope nobody talks to me today. <laughs> you know, that's not good for the pastor to feel that way, because I'm supposed to be talking to everybody. But what I want to say is a couple things. Introduce yourself to people. That's not a hard thing. You've learned how to do that before. You can do that. But here's what it's going to take. It's going to take you noticing new people. Who's new? There's some people tonight that are new in our church. They're newer to our church. They've been coming for a month or two or for a year. They're newer. If you don't know their names, here's just a quick tip for you. Go ask them. Go ask them. Well, what if they've been here for a long time? You will have embarrassment for five seconds. I'm so sorry. I should probably know this already, but what's your name? My name is, and say your name. And that's it. You just move on. That's a very silly reason not to meet a person. Well, what if they've been here a long time? That's a good thing, right? So introduce yourself. How about this? Introduce new people to the pastor. And, I, and some of you are so good at this because when you bring a visitor, you see a visitor, I have people bring up, hey, have you met so-and-so? So Thank you for doing that. Because as much as it is hard for me to meet new people, it is a lot easier when someone that they know is bringing them up to me or someone that they even just met is bringing them up and saying, Pastor, have you met so-and-so for the first time today? That's what Jerry did for us. We weren't going to go track the pastor and, hey, pastor, you know, we weren't going to do that. But Jerry brought us there. 
he did the right thing. He did the right thing, and that's awesome. So introduce new people to the pastor. I want to say this as well. Introduce people to other people. Make connections. You see, hey, this person works here, and this person works here, and it's the same line of work. Introduce them. Same life stage, same age group. Introduce them. You know, make connections with people. Now, here's what I don't mean. Don't be a matchmaker. Oh, you're single? I know several single ladies. Come with me. You know, no, don't do that, okay? Don't be, the, don't be the awkward person doing that, okay? I did speak on this on a Wednesday night. Just one point I mentioned a couple months ago. I had uh, one of our men, Brian, uh, come up. He's a contractor, and uh, he, he f- put the wires together, you know, and screwed them tight, and he made a connection between the wires. Hey, that's what we've got to be good at. We've got to be good at taking people and making connections with them. And sometimes it's connecting them with us. Sometimes it's connecting them with others, connecting them with God. But I want to encourage you to introduce. That's the first step. Introduce yourself. You, we can all do that. That goes for people that are brand new coming into our church. That goes for people that have just been here for a couple months or for been here for 30 years. If you don't know them, introduce yourself to them. And maybe you could say, I've seen you around and I should know your name but I don't. My name is so-and-so. What's your name? Okay? Easy peasy, right? Practical, practical stuff. But it matters to people. As a person that was in these, that has been to several churches where people did not even shake my hand, I can tell you it matters. Secondly, the word is inquire. Not only introduce, but inquire. Ask questions. Notice I did not use the word interrogate. I said inquire. You know, it's not like, you know, give me info, I'm going to beat it out of you. You don't need to do that. You don't need to be aggressive with your question asking, okay? Uh, but, but a few thoughts about this. And I've said this before in church a long time ago. When it comes to you, summarize. When you're talking to someone else, when it comes to you, summarize. When it comes to them, elaborate. In other words, when I'm talking to someone that's new in church, I'm not going to be like, let me tell you all about my life. No, why would they care? They don't know you. But, but as someone coming to church and, and they're trying out our church to see, do I fit here? We should have people genuinely interested in them. We should know, hey, where they work. We should know what they do. We, sh- we should know some basic things about them. Now, be careful, <coughs> excuse me, of the me monster. I call it the me monster where, you know, well, I did this and, you know, my favorite thing is this and my family and me and my... Be careful about that. Be careful that you're talking about yourself. Now, I think you ought to say who your family is and things like that, but, but we ought to show honor preferring one another, saying, I'm interested in you. I'm interested in you and, uh, and what brought you here today. How did you hear about our church? Okay, did you grow up going to church at all? Um, you know, are you, do you live in the area? What's your social security number? You know, things that are just simple questions. That goes to my next thought. Don't ask dumb questions. Say, what do you mean? There are questions that you don't have any business knowing or asking or knowing. So so be careful what you ask. Don't get too personal. How much are you making at that job? That's not your business. Oh, you got laid off? Why? What'd you do? You know, first time meeting somebody and asking, is this your first marriage? Is that your kid? Is that legitimately your kid? I mean, like what in the world? People ask the, the worst questions sometimes. Have you ever committed a violent crime? Okay, that's not, you know, let's ask, let's ask non-invasive personal questions, okay? 
you know, where do you work? Are you, in, are you currently going to school? Oh, where do you go to school? Oh, Long Beach State. Oh, so-and-so uh, graduated from Long Beach State. I know that. Whatever, you know, and you're making the connections, but you're asking questions. I want to say this as well, and I don't have much left, so just stay with me. Don't trap people. You ever get, I've been trapped before. There's some people in church, and I love everybody in our church. There's some people that, that trap me sometimes. And what I mean by that is, like, I'm in a room, and I'm about to come out, and they're standing in the doorway. Pastor, what I need to ask, and I'm like, how do I, you know, I, I played sports. Maybe I can shimmy past them, you know, and front roll out of the room and speed away because I'm, I'm trapped in here. And, and, and what I mean is, you know, you can tell oftentimes when you're talking to someone if they're interested or if they're looking around, yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, that's cool. And what they're really saying is, someone save me, please. And there have been times where I have gone up, and some of you know it because I've done it to you, where I've got up and said, okay, I'm going to save this person. We'll talk to them later. Thank you. And I walk them away from you. Now, God bless you. I love you. But don't trap people to where uh, uh, you, you know, you're you know, telling them this long, long history of your life or whatever, and they're sitting there thinking, my kid's in the nursery. He's got to get out. The mercury works have left. The lights are off. You know, I got to get these kids. It's not. It's, and by the way, some people are introverts. What do you mean? They don't want to be in large crowds of people. Introverts do good one-on-one, -on -one, not with 20 people. And it's not your job to force someone out of their introversion. Well, they're introvert. They're shy. Well, I'll take care of that. Yeah, that's not the right way. That's not the right way to do it, Okay. I'll say this as well. Try to find out where people are spiritually. You know, and this is for those of you who've maybe been in church a longer time. Um, and if you're new to church, by the way, you can totally introduce yourself to people too. But um, if, you've, if you've been in church a long time and you're talking with someone and you're getting to know someone, try to maybe ask some questions to find out where they are spiritually. Did you grow up in church at all? I mean, did you grow up in a Baptist church? Or No, just my first time in church ever. Okay, that should tell you something. Bing, they're probably lost. Okay, or yeah, I grew up in church, went to church as a kid a lot, you know, all that kind of stuff, got baptized, I was saved when I was a kid, and uh, are, are you going anywhere faithfully now? No, I'm really not. Or You can start kind of seeing where they're at. If they've been coming to church for a while here, maybe they're a Sunday morning person, been coming for a long time, you can ask, hey, are you, um, are you on, a, on a team at church at all? I'm on the uh, such and such team. And you can begin to ask some questions and figure out where they are. So introduce yourself. Talk to the people around you in church. Keep an eye out for the visitors. Secondly, inquire. Ask some good questions. And, uh, and again, it's not something where you have to just spend 45 minutes with somebody. And, and maybe you ought to write down just three or four good questions to ask people. I mean, if that's what you need to do, then do it. Number three, invite. Be hospitable. Invite. Third time, I'm giving you the definition of hospitality. Here it is. The act or practice of receiving and entertaining strangers or guests without reward or with kind and generous liberality. Invite. Invite Sunday morning people back for Sunday night. Invite Sunday morning and Sunday night people to Wednesday night. Invite people to sit with you in church. Are they alone? They might want to be. That's okay if people want to be alone. But they ought to at least be asked. You know, invite them to sit with you. Invite people over or invite people out for lunch. Pastor, I can't afford it. That's okay. Well, is there a time where maybe you could do something for somebody? 
grab a cup of coffee with somebody. You could invite someone to do something with them. I'm not saying spend a fortune, but it does say that we ought to be given to hospitality, doing something with somebody else. Invite people, uh, invite people, uh, and by the way, when I'm talking about inviting people over to your house, your apartment, or inviting them out to lunch, I find that around services works really well. When they're already going to be at church, and then going over after Sunday morning, or after Sunday night, or before Wednesday night, or something like that, that seems to work really well. But also remember that when you're inviting people over, and you're spending time with people outside of church, you're not doing it as a parachurch thing. You're not, hey, we're going to have our own Bible study tonight at church. No, we want to make sure that we're funneling people through the local church for things like that, okay? But, uh, but you know, and we're not going to invite them over for gossip either. Hey, come over, let's talk about the pastor for a while, you know? There'd be a lot to talk about, I know, but, but uh, come over, let's talk about how bad that Sunday school class is. That's a bad thing. Don't do that sort of stuff. And I don't think any of you would, but I'm going hyperbole for that, okay? Invite people over. Invite somebody out for coffee, and if you're spiritual and don't drink coffee, invite someone out for hot cocoa. I don't know. Invite them out for something, okay? And uh, how about this? Go visit somebody. Go visit somebody and uh, bring cookies. Go be a blessing. I got to bring two of my kids over to see Miss Kathy Roberson yesterday and uh, loves her church still and wishes she could be here and all of that. But uh, I, I want to be bringing my kids by. Why? People don't like seeing my ugly face, but they like seeing my kids. Look at your kids, they're growing like weeds and all this kind of stuff. And, and uh, try to be an encouragement to people and uh, bring stuff to people. Hey, Sunday school teachers, are we still inviting people to Sunday school? Are we still following up on people? I, I look at some of our Sunday school classes and I think you could have 20 more people in your class if you made phone calls every week. You could have 20 more people in your class from our church if you were faithfully following up. And that's not a reproof to you. It's, it's a kind of a kick to say, hey, let, let, let's do our part to, to get people invited to church and to Sunday school. Maybe tell them what you're going to be teaching on. Hey, we're in a new series. We just started a new series in Sunday school with the teen boys called uh, uh, Overcoming Teen Giants. And uh, we're going to be talking about the giants that teen face in their life. The ladies are talking about pretty little truth, something like that, you know, and, and, and so we're trying to promote that and say, hey, this is what we're going to be dealing with, this is why it's going to help you, hey, we're going to have a breakfast this day, whatever it may be, teens get to have teen activities and stuff too, we're trying to get people invited, I want to ask you, hey, are we dealing with people in love, are we dealing with people in kindness, I have one more thought we're going to get to in just a second, we'll be done, but are we dealing with people in the church like family, by the way, this is, I've talked a little bit about in, introverts and extroverts. You know what that is? Introverts more, they like to be, you know, not by themselves, but they do better, better maybe in smaller groups, and bigger groups kind of exhaust them and do well one-on-one. -on -one. The extroverts are the loud people in here. Think Oscar Sanchez. Uh, think, uh, where's brother? Uh, he's just left, man. I was going to tease him. Brother, there you are. But, uh, <laughs> and we have several. By the way, we need these people in our church. We need every kind of person here. But what I'm saying to some of you extroverts is, why are you sitting down on Sunday mornings? You're good with people. Go meet people. Get out there. By the way, you introverts too, but, but don't come on Sunday morning and just sit in your pew. No, meet people. Invite them. Be a part of it. And if you, if you are good at this and you enjoy meeting new people, see Brother Oscar. He's in charge of our welcome team. He could use the help to get people feel welcome at our church. So those are some thoughts there. Introduce, talk to people around you. Inquire, ask some questions. Invite, be hospitable, and lastly, involve. Involve. Help others find a place to serve. Now here, I want to give you one thing about this, and I only have a couple sentences I'll say about this, and I'm done. 
No one in our church should ask someone to serve in a ministry without running it up the chain of command. No one is to do that. I want to be clear on that. You say, why? You have a power trip? No, I have a responsibility. And sometimes I know things you don't. And, uh, and I'm not going to put someone in a position to fail. I'm not going to put someone in a position of awkwardness. And so you make sure that before you do something like, hey, I want to invite this person to serve on the blank team, whatever that team is, you make sure you run it through the authority. You contact your leader. The leader will contact me, or you can come straight to me, whatever. But we need to make sure we do that the right way. But I do think we ought to be in the, in the mindset of asking people to serve with us. Let's say you serve on the Dustbusters kind of team, that, or the property team that goes around, and, and uh, I, like to, I think I want to call it the First Impressions team, Brother Richard, but you're, in, but you're leading it, so I don't want to tell you what to call it. But I like that, First Impressions. But the property team, and, and, you know, and it's been looking great. It's been looking so much better since our team started on that. And, and, and maybe you're thinking, man, you know, anybody could rake leaves. Anybody could do this in our church. I'm going to invite so-and-so. And I think you ought to have that mentality, absolutely, to invite people to serve on a team, and you just go to the leader and you ask. But uh, we ought to be looking for ways to point people towards the teams of our church. Someone's getting involved in our church, and they're, they're starting to come more and more faithfully, and they're getting saved, and they're getting baptized, and, and they're starting to grow a little bit. Hey, let's point them to some teams and say, let's get you involved. Because what does involvement do? And why do we have 18 teams at our church? One of the biggest reasons, and I told you this when we started, is to form connections. Get people connected. I think every single person in our church needs to be on a team. And next Sunday, we'll have the list out of our teams and who the leaders are. And if you want to start serving, you want to get more information, you can do that. And uh, well, we want to get you involved on a team serving. That doesn't mean, you know, you're going to be out there just every day, you know, shoveling for 10 hours. That's not what we do, okay? But uh, we have opportunities for you to serve and to build relationships that's the stuff that helps people stick in church. So let's get people involved. Let's get people serving. Let's help people reach their potential for Christ. Some people are going to get involved in a Sunday school class. They're going to listen. They're going to learn. They're going to grow. And they're going to start teaching a Sunday school class. They're going to start working on that bus route. They're going to start captaining a bus, a bus route. They're going to start working a ministry. Then they're going to be running a ministry. And we need to help them with that. So I want to encourage you today. Tonight's well, the service is just simple. Are we building, are we helping to build relationships at church? And for you, some of you, that maybe you've been coming to church and, and you know people here, but you've been kind of keeping people at a distance, I want to encourage you to just jump in full force. To stop holding back on God and decide, you know what, no, I need Christian uh, uh, relationships in my life, and I'm going to do my part to jump in and be involved so I can be a real legitimate part of the family of God and have and be kindly affection to one another. So I want to just ask you tonight as we close to think on this. How can you help connect people in our church? How could you do that? How can you help build relationships that are going to last? How could you help strengthen our church in that way? We are the family of God. Let's love one another and let's help one another. Father, I pray you bless us tonight. Thank you for the word of God and thank you for Paul and Peter and others that gave instruction about how to deal with people in the church. And, and God, I pray that you'd help us. Nobody here is perfect. Nobody here has got this down.